quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. When our kids are born, we have expectations as to how our family will interact. What we certainly aren't ready for are the struggles we encounter with the people we love the most. We are here for the parent who feels like they've tried it all, for the parent who feels like they have to yell to be heard, for the parent who is tired of timeouts and kids fighting all day. We are here for you. We believe when parents feel supported and heard, they are able to come to parenting more centered. We offer tools to navigate the messiness of life with kids. We are Peace in Parenting. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Peace in Parenting podcast. I'm Gemma, and I'm here with Michelle, and we have a really special guest today to help us talk about miscarriage. Yeah, I'm really excited that Dr. Jessica Zeiger agreed to be on our podcast because she is an LA-based psychologist specializing in women's reproductive and mental maternal health, and she's the leading expert on pregnancy loss, and I'm lucky enough to call her my friend, and I'm just pleased that she's able to come on and share her experiences, and um, if you don't know her work or you're not familiar with her, you'll want to check her out, and you can find a lot of her writing in like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Guardian, New York Magazine, Self, Vice, all kinds of places. She's also just finished her first book that will be out next year. So you'll want to take a peek at her um, Instagram, which is I had a miscarriage. And that is the hashtag that she created. And I'm just really lucky. I think we're really lucky to um, have her expertise on our podcast today. So I want to give her a warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Jessica Zucker. I'm a psychologist in Los Angeles, and I specialize in women's reproductive and maternal mental health. And I've done so for over a decade at this point. And when I specialized in this, I I had yet to experience miscarriage firsthand. And then at 16 weeks along, I had a miscarriage and it really sort of, you know, reshaped the way that I was parenting, the way that I was working and the way that I wanted to sort of make a dent in the conversation or lack thereof around miscarriage in our culture. So tell us, so tell us you have two kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jessica has two kids um, who are 10 and 6? 5, yeah. 10 and 5. And you had a miscarriage in between. Right. Yeah. And Gemma, you had a miscarriage last year too. I did, yeah. And, and it was so- my third. So it was really unexpected because I had two healthy pregnancies and I was thinking this would never happen to me. I wasn't that person and it shocked us all. 
Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. not an easy thing to endure. And it certainly isn't an easy thing to endure when we have little kids running around who need us desperately. And Mm -hmm. we're in a place where it's really hard to even be there for ourselves. Yeah. And I'm sure aware. I mean, they knew that I was pregnant and my Caleb was four at the time. And he insisted that he come to the ultrasound appointment. He couldn't wait for his picture. And so um, the nurse actually sent them out because it was a vaginal ultrasound. So she was like, you guys go and come back and then you can get your picture, Caleb, because everybody in the room was thinking it was fine. And when they came back, I was actually like sliding down the wall of the, um, I don't want to get emotional, but um, I was sliding down the wall just like in tears. And Dan walked in and he was like, oh no, (laughs) we better leave. And so they left and I pulled myself together and he brought the kids back and I had to explain to Caleb like, five minutes after I found found out why he wasn't getting an ultrasound picture. So mm. it was stressful. I mean, he definitely felt effects from that for a while. Wait, how old was he at the time? He was four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And Jonah, and Jonah was there too, but he was little. I don't think he really understood what was going on. So it was traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much. Yeah. To say the least. I mean, I can't imagine I think you said it so well, though. You're like, you just have to, you have to tell him why he wasn't getting his ultrasound picture. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think that's the reality of parenting through this kind of trauma is that you almost have to compartmentalize what's going on for you because you have to be there for, for your kids, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I feel my son was about three and a half when I had my miscarriage and we hadn't actually told him that I was pregnant yet. We were waiting for the 20 week appointment or actually the 18 week um, amnio. And yeah, I had to think long and hard about sort of like how to deliver the news to him because I was, you know, such a mess. And so without, I mean, I just wasn't able to give him anything um, Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of the loss. And so we decided to simply say something like we thought mommy was pregnant and it turns out she's not. And then in the subsequent days after my loss, like I really needed my husband to step up and do most things with my son. And, you know, I just didn't know how traumatized I was until I wasn't. So it took a long time for me to really be able to be fully engaged the way I like to be as a parent. Right. Yeah, I felt that too. And we have a weird schedule with Dan being a firefighter. So it wasn't like he could take a lot of time off. So I was kind of like thrown right back into parenting right away. And Mm -hmm. Caleb was having a lot of tantrums. And I, for the first time in my life, I'm a very emotional person. But for the first time, I just like shut off completely and like didn't speak about it, didn't really cry in front of anybody, didn't talk about it a lot. And it was more like I was helping him cope with it which is a weird I mean a lot of my friends were like what is wrong with you (laughs) like we know you're sad why aren't you showing you're sad and I was like I don't know this is just how I'm yeah but I think like that that's the thing it's like we have to muster some amount of like fortitude or like shut downness around our own feelings in Mm -hmm. order to prioritize theirs I guess you know It's just about like when, how do we make space for ourselves to actually process what's happening? Mm -hmm. And some people just don't. I mean, some people just don't. And they just kind of move through their days and then go on to try to get pregnant again or not. Um, I mean, the thing for me, I at the age that I was, I felt a real pressure to try to get pregnant again quickly. And so my OBGYN suggested I wait three cycles. And so on the fourth cycle, I got pregnant again. And so to be pregnant through 
the grief and to manage the fear and like to, again, you know, be having so many feelings about the experience while parenting my son. It was, it felt almost impossible. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, I can't imagine, I can't parent (laughs) all the time as it is, you know, like there are days when I'm like, um, actually mommy's not showing up today because this is really hard. And I can't imagine going through that trauma. Mm-hmm. And also then yours, Jessica, where you're pregnant again. So you're pregnant, you're grieving the loss of a child and you have a toddler. Like, no, thank you. That's right. like not, it's too much. It's yeah. way too much. And I don't think our society says like, you need, you need a break. You need this time to take care of yourself because you've gone through, you've gone through hell. Like this is, mm-hmm. you've lost life. Like that's huge. And I don't think we give it enough pause or enough credence or enough importance that that loss is not as important as other loss, I feel like. I was just going to say that because a lot of times it happens before you've even made an announcement. So a lot of people don't know, which kind of shifted my perspective on not telling people because I'm like, this is sad to have people not know. And I'm sitting here like dying inside. I wish everybody knew so that everybody could be there for me. But I did have a lot of friends that knew, um, that didn't even know I was pregnant, but I told them right when it happened. So... I had a good support system and I think that's huge because for my boys, I could not make dinner. I couldn't, I was just like a zombie walking around, but Mm -hmm. I was still doing everything. And so my Bible study group is like 12 girls. They brought dinner every night. They bought like toys and crafts for the boys, just like something so that I could like sit and the boys could color like their new toy. You know, it was more for me than the kids. So how long do you feel like you were in that? Like before you sort of like felt like yourself again, like emerging as a parent or feeling, I don't know, more in your skin, you know? For me, it was a while because I, um, that when I found out there was no heartbeat, then I tried to take the pill to miscarry at home. And I did that for a week. So I was in pain for a week with cramping and like it just was not working. So then I went in and had a DNC done and that didn't work. So then I had to go get a second DNC and this at the second DNC when they put the IV in my arm to knock me out because I had to be I couldn't go through it awake. Um, That's when I lost it. And I just like cried in front of everybody down there in the surgical whatever. And then after that, once that was over and once all the bleeding stopped, I started to come back to life and like started to talk about it a little bit. And my best friend got me a book. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know who wrote it. It's called Saying Goodbye. Mm, It has a quote. It has like a miscarriage quote. um, And then like a little journal thing every day. And so I did that for a little bit. And that's how I started coming out of it. And now when I talk about it right now, I'm emotional and like shaky. I don't know why, because I haven't felt that in a while. But now when I talk about it, I'm at peace with it. And I'm like, it just wasn't that baby wasn't meant to be in our family right now. And Is that how you talk about it with your children? Yeah. And they pray, we say prayers every night. So they pray for our baby in heaven and like, they're aware. They always ask me for a baby. (laughs) Ask daddy. I don't know. Mommy doesn't want to do that again. (laughs) And I'm really traumatized. You went through hell. Yeah. I mean, I think that's rare for it to be that horrible. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Wow. So what do you guys think? What are you... What are your suggestions? I mean, I know it's like impossible, but for other people who have to parent through this, what do you, what do we tell people? What do we say to them? Like get in touch with your grief. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like I sort of wrote my way back to health, if that makes any sense. I mean, I was in therapy at the time. And so I upped, you know, the amount of sessions I was doing. And that was, of course, helpful. But for me, writing about the experience helped so much. It helped me connect with a global community of people who understood. And it made me feel you know, a sense of support from even people that I had never met before. And that was key. And so I, you know, for some people that may not be the, the ideal route, but there are support groups that are available. I think that trying to ignore it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That, that just seems clear, you know, trying to kind of tamp it down, ignore it, move on, quote unquote, move on, uh, is just not helpful. Yeah, I agree. Because I think um, once I started actually talking about it, that really helped me. And I had a friend get me a little bracelet and it said little one on it. And she was like, you should wear this every day and think about your baby every day and like process this. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, the kid part is just hard. I just accepted help for the first time ever. Like I just let people bring food without guilt. And I I think I posted about it on Instagram, which I normally, I was really private about everything before then, but it happened in September, September and then October is, I don't even know what October, yeah. it's like awareness Pregnancy or loss. And of, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. So I posted like the you are one and four thing and then um, oh. so many people wrote to me and were like, me too. And I was like, what? Right. I would exactly. never know that. Like, why didn't you say anything? But I just feel like oh, nobody like, talks about it. Well, I think that's it. Nobody talks about it. And then Why? And why does it, this is a huge trauma in your life. I mean, one of the biggest things that could happen to you as a woman, and I mean, as a family too, but really as a woman, like it's a really big thing to happen. And we're, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's not, it's not out there. People aren't saying I'm pregnant. I've had a miscarriage. Like this is hard. I'm grieving. I'm losing it. I need help. Like it, it has to be different. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like because you didn't lose like an actual baby that, it doesn't count. And so you're just like a sad sack. Almost worse though. It's like ripped from your womb in a, in in your case, definitely like that's a (laughs) physical, like that's Mm -hmm. insane. I think it's like partly because nobody has met this imagined baby. Mm -hmm. It doesn't to them hold the same sort of weight, of course, as a child that they would have known. But that I don't think that is the point. It's like, this is what we imagined. And there was something growing inside. And so you begin to fantasize about your future family. And that's part of the pain in the grief that you're not going to get what you thought you were getting. Mm-hmm. You know, we had like started looking at minivans because we needed, we just happened to need a new car right at that time. And so we were like, let's get a van. Like we're going to have three now. And so then for weeks after, anytime I saw a van, I would just like lose it. So I was like, I want to be in a van. I was complaining about the van and how ugly it was. And now I wish I had it. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting you say that because I had been ambivalent about having a second child. I wasn't sure if I wanted to to do that until I decided I did. And then once I lost the pregnancy, I was dead set on getting pregnant again. So it's like that similar thing. Like you start to envision something that even at the time you may have had mixed feelings about and then suddenly you want it more than anything yeah for me I was like in a really negative space also and like in a hard phase with my kids and I was just overwhelmed but then once I lost that baby my whole perspective 
shifted and my very best friend noticed and sometimes it bothered her because she was like why are you being so positive and I was like life is just so beautiful everything is so beautiful like and I just I started practicing gratitude every day because I'm like this anything these kids could be taken from me at any moment and I just for me that was huge I think I not that I needed to lose a baby, but I needed something. And that was the thing that escalated this parenting for me. Cause I was like, I have to do better with what I have right now. That's that interesting. Sense. Well, yeah. you're so smart that you worked on your grief. I think for a lot of people that doesn't happen and it just kind of stays stuck inside of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then maybe can also hinder your parenting in that way, because maybe there's triggers that start to develop because of that grief or that trauma or that stored hurt or whatever. It can't be good for your internal psyche. Okay. So one night recently I was putting my 10 year old to bed and he was talking about or asking about my work. And he knows that I work with women who lose pregnancies and lose infants. And he said something so astute and it was sort of alarming at the time, but he said like, Something like, um, wouldn't you be even better at your job if you had lived through something oh that these women had gone through? Something like that. I, I, I think I just got that a little off. But anyway, it was it was so profound and stopped me in my tracks. And I just decided that was the moment. And I always knew that I wanted to share with my son because I, you know, I, I write often about how important it is that we talk openly with our children about loss um, and that we kind of teach younger generations about the very fact that this is so possible and how frequently it can happen. And as you said, you know, it's one in four pregnancies that end in miscarriage and the statistics with stillbirth have gone up and now it's one in a hundred, uh, which is a lot. I so at that moment I just decided it was time and I said well actually sweetie I I have been through it and he you know there was just silence and he looked at me and and he said wait what how how do I not know this and when did it happen and so you know I got into the details with him and without overwhelming him of course I mean I think that's a lot of why I waited until he was older I had a fear that perhaps he would say something to my now, you know, healthy daughter, uh, that she wouldn't be here if that baby had made it. And so I felt though, like he had reached a level of maturity and comfortability in his own skin to be able to handle this kind of information. And so for a while after that, you know, he's been asking me questions and he'll just bring it up while we're driving somewhere and ask about, you know, so wait, how old would she have been if she had made it? And what was her name going to be? And I just finished writing a book and all of this is in the book. And so I told him that we, and and in the book, I addressed this as well. We named that baby Olive. We named that baby Olive because he had been saying that he wanted a sister name, named Olive. Oh my so I was able Aww. to tell him that like, that was, that's the name that we chose based on like him weighing in and his strong opinion. <laughs> Um, anyway, so it's been a really, uh, I, I would say a healing experience for me and a really bonding experience for me and him. Uh, I just, I love the fact that, you know, here's this boy who will eventually be a man who is informed about the basics and not, you know, in an overwhelming way, but just the fact that it is actually normal 
to have a miscarriage and that 80% of the time it's chromosomally related. It's nothing that the woman or the man did. And, you know, just like really basic stuff, uh, which, you know, again, my fear is like, well, is he going to like walk up to pregnant people and say, well, you know, you could have a miscarriage or something. (laughs) But obviously he's old enough to not do that at this point. And so I think he's handled the information beautifully and it's freed up for me so much, you know, because he could Google me. I mean, he's at the age where he could. And like, I write so much about this topic and I'm very open about things. So I, it just, I think it's a healthier way for us to go, uh, especially as he becomes a tween and all of these things. I think also too, it's interesting, like you're parenting around your miscarriage six years later. Exactly. And it's like, it never, it never goes away, right? It's always part of your fabric. It's always part of who, what makes you who you are. It makes you the, informs the kind of parent you are, just like Gemma was saying, like it really does shape a part of you and it's, it's always there. And so I just want to say to those people who've had miscarriage, I I was lucky enough not to, but it's like, I, I really have a deep empathy for those people who go through it because I feel like it's such a big, huge monumental trauma that you go through in your, in your world that isn't necessarily given credence. Yeah. And I think in your situation, it's important to address that as well, meaning like you had two healthy kids. And so there's all these platitudes that go roaming around, you know, that get thrown around. Oh, but at least you have two children. Be grateful for those kids. That has nothing to do with anything. And so oftentimes the platitudes that come after loss distance us even more from the people that we love and make us feel that much more isolated and maybe even alienated from our communities, which is partly why we don't talk about this topic openly enough. Mm-hmm. Right. That just made me think of this. And it's I just want to say it out loud. I don't know why I feel like it will do it. It's like me asking for forgiveness. But um, on the way home, when we found out, I looked at my husband, he said something because I was staring out the window and I looked at him and I was like, you didn't want this baby anyway. And I like forever hate myself and beat myself up and I'm like I can't believe I said that but well but is it true um yeah no I mean it's not true we we didn't plan on having a third I really wanted a third and he didn't and so it just happened Uh-oh. and so it wasn't his plan but I never should have said that well but but I also encourage you to have it be this is like the end of you beating up on yourself yeah. for this because yeah. you were upset and angry and disappointed and he was ambivalent. So I don't, you know, it's, he didn't in any way have anything to do with the miscarriage, right. but I think like you can let yourself off the hook at this point for saying something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's the same thing when our kids say, you're right. the worst mommy in the world. Yep. We let them off the hook because we're not thinking well. We're in, <laughs> we're experiencing trauma or we're experiencing totally. we're in a bad place. And I think yes. that's, yeah, you're forgiven, Gemma. You Thank for, you. You're all forgiven, yes. <laughs> Maybe if I shared with you things I said to my husband, you, you would feel even better. But <laughs> it's a hard time. I mean, it's a hard time. And relationships go through a lot afterward. And they can be incredibly trying. And people report to me, you know, my patients, there's a lot of feelings of loneliness within marriage sometimes when people, you know, don't feel understood, really. I, so, and we grieve very differently. And so... We do. That was very hard for us. Yeah. yeah. And our bodies physically go through it in a way that they don't live. You know, you were in shock. 
So you have a pass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay, good. <laughs> Is there anything else, Jessica, you want to talk to us about? Anything else that you would say to anyone who's going through this? Well, uh, Feel free to check out my Instagram at I had a miscarriage. What I'm trying to do there is take on and expose every aspect of life after loss. Uh, everything from, you know, sex after loss to pregnancy after pregnancy loss, just so that we are attending to the various aspects of our lives that get touched by this topic. And also people can share their stories on my page. So if you're in this predicament, whether you've shared your story aloud or not, feel free to you know join us there. Yeah, great. Her page is amazing. Um, really powerful. I really, really love it. And so, yeah, I had a miscarriage. And um, if you want to find Gemma or I, we're also on Instagram, Peace and Parenting and Gemma Arda. And we're so glad you guys listened. Thank you guys. Thanks for being with us, Jessica. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Thank you, Jessica. (laughs) Okay, we'll be back next week.